0: We meet a lot of people in our journey through life, but you know there are very few that make it to the level of being deeply trusted and loved. Someone we are close and special to, and someone who is close and special to us. We all need relationships like that, those with whom we can share the good times and hang on to through the tough times. Well, for the next couple of weeks on Discover the Word, author Kim Cash Tate joins the group at the table to explore with us what it looks like to choose a lifestyle of intimacy with God, for God to be someone that we cling to in good times and bad. Kim says she's found clinging to God, a source of blessing and protection and of inexplicable joy and peace. So Pull a chair up and join the group as we begin a two-part episode called Cling next. And this is Discover the Word. Thanks for making time to be part of the small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries. Marty Hahn and Elisa Morgan and Bill Crowder are three of the regular members of this group. And from time to time, we invite guests to join our times together and explore with them things that they've discovered in their study and their walk with the Lord those are usually rich times on a number of different levels. And so today we're going to begin one of those conversations with a friend. Kim Cash Tate is going to be joining us for our next two podcasts. Kim's a former lawyer and now an author and conference speaker. And it's her book, Kling, that caught our attention. Kim says that there's just something about that word, "cling" that has captured her and shaped her relationship with God. And it's our hope that you'll find it a helpful focus that draws you closer to God as well. And so let's get started. Let's join Mart and Elisa and Bill as they introduce you to our guest for this edition of the Discover the Word podcast, Kim Cash Tate.
1: Kim Cash Tate. Isn't that a fun name to say? Mm -hmm. I love it. This is our new friend with us today at the table.
2: And it's great to have you with us, Kim.
1: Thank you you so much. And we're told that
3: you are a lawyer
4: I am a lawyer. I was a lawyer. It's <laughs> been about 17 years, but I practiced civil litigation.
3: Oh. You seem really nice. <laughs> Isn't it interesting the way Bill picked up on that so fast?
4: <laughs> I was a nice attorney. I was You were? Nice okay.
2: Master. Then I will relax. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the author thing? Has writing been a part of your life for a long time?
4: I've always loved to write. Even growing up, I would write poetry and song lyrics and things like that, but I never thought I would write I thought I'd be an attorney for the rest of Mm. my life. So Mm. you just never know what God will do. But my first book was actually published in 99. So I've been at this a little while. What was that book? That book was a memoir early in my Christian walk, and it was called More Christian Than African American. So that was published Mm. in 1999.
1: and then- Isn't that an enigmatic title? Yeah. I enjoy talking with Kim about this whole subject yes. of Christianity and race as well. Yes, mm-hmm. We had a great conversation. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah.
2: And your most recent book is Kling?
1: Yes cling 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 not cling on but <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah my mind went star trek
3: right away <laughs> that's
0: why i beat you there
1: and it's awesome to see the passion behind this topic and you also have a a dvd curriculum to go along with it this is not a commercial this is really it's a bible study and it's a conversation that we're going to have on this topic this one word topic cling mm-hmm. yes you know kim why does that subject hit you why has that attracted you and grabbed you and why'd you pick that
4: for a book topic you know it was really interesting about I would say maybe 15 years ago when I was studying Deuteronomy, that word, which is in the NASB in particular, and God says to cling to him. And when I first read that, it just grabbed me Mm. and it would not let me go. And I began to pray that Lord help me to cling to you. Mm. So it's been years and years Mm. of just holding tight to that word. And it's funny Mm. because Cling means to hold tight. When I'm holding tight to that word and what it means, and just how it transformed. Isn't it my interesting walk with the God. way
2: we're all individuals, and we're wired in certain ways that certain ideas mm-hmm. we resonate with those, and they become a part of us, don't they? And not yes. only that,
3: but certain ideas in certain seasons of life. I can imagine in some seasons of life, the idea of clinging to God really becomes all you have. Mm. You yes, know.
4: absolutely. And I would say. Only recently did I get a better understanding of why that resonated with me so much. And I was taken back to when I was a little girl and my parents were divorced when I was four. And I had this vivid memory of waiting for my dad to come and pick me up.
0: Mm -hmm. And I
4: loved my dad so much. I loved spending time with him and I would be waiting for him. And for whatever reason, he wouldn't come. Mm. And I thought he was coming, and so I'd be sitting at the edge of the bed looking out the window and my little girl heart would just be crushed Uh because I was looking forward to this time with my dad. And so it was just a memory seared in my heart that for me at that time as a little girl, I'm thinking I must not matter. Oh, wow. I must not be special to him because he didn't show up. He didn't live far. I had a great relationship with him, but those disappointing times just Mm -hmm. stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And so as I got older, I think just subconsciously I had this desire to matter to someone, to be special to someone and. Desire for intimate relationship, and so the Lord just reminded me of that, and hmm. I didn't come to know Him until I was twenty-seven. So I spent a lot of time—he hmm. wooed, searching, for and a yes, long time. Yes, hmm. and so I think that is why it resonated with me so much. That really, the God of the universe would allow that hmm. intimacy that we can actually cling to him, hold mm. tight to him, because we often see him as so far and distant, mm. but he wants that intimacy, and that's what resonated with me.
3: Mm.
1: Do you want to take us to that verse in Deuteronomy? I would I'm love to. I'm curious where it is
4: so I can look it up. I would love to. It's in two particular places. The first is Deuteronomy ten twenty. Okay. And again, that cling word is in the New American Standard version of the Bible,
3: yeah, that's what I have.
4: Okay, do you want to read that for us? Sure. Verse
3: 20 of Deuteronomy 10, You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him and cling to him, mm. and you shall swear by his name. It's interesting because even in the New Living Translation, it says
2: you must fear the Lord your God and worship him and cling to him. Uh-huh. Mm. Your oldest must be in his name alone. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. What's your say? Alufa? Mine
1: says hold fast to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've also used the word cleave Yes. To describe cling. And that I just cannot understand that word cleave.
3: Cleave's kind of the King James Version word, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Going right? back to
1: Genesis. So let's yes. stay with cling. <laughs> yes. Okay.
4: And then Deuteronomy thirteen four. You want to read that for us as well?
3: Sure. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him, and you shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him, and cling to him. Mm-hmm.
1: And again, I have hold fast to him. But Mm -hmm. I see a progression there, Kim. Keep his commands Mm -hmm. and obey him, serve him, and cling. Is there a progression? Does
4: that go in a string or am I just making that up here? It could certainly be a progression. As I Mm -hmm. read these verses, what really struck me was that the other commands follow keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him, Mm -hmm. can somewhat be done from a distance. Mm -hmm. Because you can even follow from a distance as long as you're headed in the same direction. Mm -hmm. I was always struck by the fact that we would expect keep his commandments. We would expect God Mm -hmm. to say, keep my commandments. We would expect God to say, serve me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We would expect him to say, listen to my voice and follow me. The unexpected to me was the cling. Mm.
1: That makes so much sense. You know, it's like, be a good girl, be a good boy, and do these right things. But then, boom, here's this intimate invitation.
2: Especially when the language sounds so authoritarian. Yes. You know, the commandment, obey me, and then cling.
4: All of a sudden, you have this personal, you want me to stay glued Mm. to you? Mm. Lord, really? It, It just automatically becomes personal. And then you think about the heart of God as he's speaking through Moses to people who had been disobedient the generation before. Mm -hmm. They're in Deuteronomy. They're about to go into the Promised Land. They've been wandering for 40 years. So he's dealt with a disobedient people Hmm. whom he could have written off, but he's saying, cling to me. And Mm -hmm. it just shows so much of his grace and long suffering. It's almost
2: like a New Testament idea. I know it's Mm -hmm. all there in the Old Testament as well. And it was there right in the garden. I mean, this personal God with his people. But I guess as we watch how the story of the Bible unfolds, when you get to Jesus, there you can really see mm-hmm. yes. a God who loves us revealing himself mm-hmm. in his heart. Yes. And saying, come to me, all you who are, you're working hard and you're, yes. trust me.
1: I also hear, as you're describing this, Kim, a protection of his people. Yes. You know, when you've gone off all wayward, look what you've done, look at the mm-hmm. mess. Yes. Instead mm-hmm. of doing that, instead of stepping in all the mess, cling to me. Mm-hmm. And yes. And when you cling to me, you know, I'm going to keep you out of the mess.
3: Yes. It's interesting how each one of us are kind of reacting to this differently. I mean, I'm agreeing with everything I'm hearing. What it hits me is that fear and obey and serve all have the characteristics of religion. Mm. Yes, But cling is about relationship. Yes. That really got my attention when you talked about the near and the far away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that's where the revelation is going, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like back to the garden eventually.
2: But yes. it's like, okay, well, children need to learn how to fear. Because they don't understand the depth of relationship. Sure. Mm -hmm. And they Mm -hmm. need to learn how to obey. But eventually, even as adults, we say, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. We can cling to this God. Mm -hmm.
4: You do have shades of God reminding them, I'm the God who created you. I am the God that was in the garden that started all of this. And I created you for relationship. Mm -hmm. I think about when... He was in the midst of creating and everything then seemed so impersonal. Let there be light. And then all of a sudden, let us make man Mm -hmm. in our image. And that's good. Then it becomes the relationship. And so he reminds us continually. That's why I created you Mm -hmm. for relationship. Yes, I want you to follow me. Yes, I want you to obey me. Yes, I want you to serve me for your good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the only way you can do that Mm -hmm. is if you're in close relationship with me. I'm here to help Mm. you. You have to stay glued to me so Mm. I can help you do that. And from
2: the beginning, it's been that way. Yes, from the beginning. That's really good.
4: Well, it's a great
1: beginning as we set off on this galloping couple of days together to think about. And I mean, if you just get anything out of today, I've got the word cling. Yeah. And it's stunning. And to look at it as a, not a passive command, but yes. a really active one where I can just gallop myself now towards mm-hmm. the heart of God. And that's his desire for us. So yes. I hope we all take that forward. And let's listen in carefully and consider together how God is inviting us every day, every minute, all the time Yes, to cling. It's such a gracious invitation.
4: We think Old Testament, Deuteronomy, command, but it's really a gracious invitation that we can accept to cling to God. So we're talking about clinging to God and intimacy with God. And I'm just curious, do you see that as something for the super spiritual person, intimacy with yes. God?
3: <laughs> I see it for everybody else. I don't know that I really, until you brought it up, thought about it in those terms. I don't know. I want to ask, Lisa, is the idea of
2: intimacy that Kim raises, is that more of a feminine way of approaching relationship with God?
3: No. Think? no. <laughs> I mean, I Bill, think what do you think?
1: In our culture, we have feminized it, but I don't think that's God's intent. All right.
3: mm-hmm. I would agree with that answer. I think it feels feminine mm-hmm. because we've been conditioned to things. Yeah. But I do think that that's a default of our culture. Why mm-hmm. does it
1: feel feminine to be intimate with God?
3: I think because men tend to be very guarded mm-hmm. and self-protective. Yeah. And so the idea of intimacy leads to vulnerability, leads to, I'm not sure I want to go there. I'm
1: going to push. I just wonder if intimacy in our culture is sexual. Bottom line. Mm. And so that's the even ground we start on. And so maybe that's why it's
4: confusing to men, maybe. Men intimate with God. Hmm? No, but that's good because this is what we need to talk about when we're thinking about intimacy with God. And what does that mean? Mm. If we do regard it as something that can be spiritual, then it does seem super spiritual. It's for the pastor, it's for the dedicated missionary, the people who can cloister themselves away and study all day. The monastic. Mm -hmm. Yes. It is just complex. Very very interesting. Yeah. And I know for me, I looked at intimacy with God or some way that I could get close to God. It was sort of a programmed and packaged event like a bible conference Mm -hmm. so if i had a girlfriend and i and we would look forward to traveling to a conference once a year and the whole year is built around this one experience (laughs) where we can get close to god and we can have three days of praise music and teaching and fellowship and you're on a high on a mountain high in this sense that i have to look forward to this event to get Mm -hmm. there i can't have that Uh feeling of closeness to god day to day because i'm too embroiled in the day-to-day activities of life and I'm running here and there and I'm changing diapers and I'm doing whatever Mm -hmm. so I can't really have that. Mm. That was my thought.
2: But you're at a different place now or not?
4: Different place now. I think that once I began to think about that word cling and began to pray because it really did become a consistent prayer of mine. Lord help me to cling to you. I began to see day to day as I went about life because here I was I had toddlers. I was changing diapers. We began homeschooling. So I'm just embroiled in a whole different life than I had envisioned for myself, for one thing. <laughs>
2: How many children do you have?
4: Two. Two, okay. Two. And so I began to see that I can actually have a close relationship with God and feel that closeness every day, hmm. no matter what hmm. I'm So it doesn't doing. have to be the special event. It this doesn't have something to we be can enjoy. the special hmm. event. And I think that when we think about intimacy with God, that we should see that not just as something that it is something we can do every day, but also see it as I'm not trying to get to him. He's been already moving toward us. I don't have to have an event. I don't have to have that scholastic be in my book all day and (laughs) then I'll get close to him and hopefully he'll receive me if I study enough or if I do whatever enough, he'll receive me. But he's saying I'm the one who's been moving toward you. Yeah. I just want you <laughs> to Kim,
2: come if to somebody me. said, "How did you come to that assurance?" what would you say?
4: You know you're going to have trials in life, right? Mm-hmm. None of us can go without trials. Hardships come up, challenges come up, and so you get that assurance as you lean into I'm going to pray to you every day and seek you in this. I'm going to actually believe that mm-hmm. you said you're there <laughs> and you said mm-hmm. you care. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take you up on that. And so I'm right now, Lord, I am Suffering, I am dealing with this hardship, and I need you to show up for me Mm -hmm. and show me that you're there and that you care, and that if I'm clinging to you, you're going to show me what that means. And then you see it's almost like an attitude
1: of recognition. And I love the way you're describing this that God initiates Mm -hmm. the invitation. It's
3: almost like God's calling us to cling to Him, but all the while He's clinging to us.
4: Yes. And can we recognize that? Yeah, we don't necessarily get it, though.
3: It's
1: hard to.
4: And so there are so many places in the Bible where. We see that it is God who initiates that relationship, and I think a beautiful illustration of that is a story that's familiar with us, the woman at the well okay. in John chapter 4. So John I would four. love for us to spend okay. some time looking even just at the first few verses of that today, John 4, 1 through 8. Do you want us to just go around? Yes. Okay. You want to start, Mark?
2: Okay jesus knew that the pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than john though jesus himself didn't baptize them his disciples did so he left judea and returned to galilee
1: now he had to go through samaria so he came to a town in samaria called sychar near the plot of ground jacob had given to his son joseph jacob's well was there and jesus tired as he was from the journey sat down at the well it was about the sixth hour
3: there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food.
4: And what I love about this is often we get into the conversation that Jesus has with this Samaritan woman, but even before the conversation takes place, we see so much intentionality on Jesus' part to create intimacy. create relationship and so where are you getting that okay so where i'm getting that is jesus he's left judea and he's on his way to galilee so he's in the southern portion of the region judea he has to go to the northern portion in galilee and it says he had to pass through samaria and so samaria is indeed in the middle you could pass through Samaria, but he didn't have to geographically. He could have gone he around. He could have it. gone around. Uh-huh. And, and
2: most good Jews did, right? Because right. Why? Right.
4: why? Why would most
1: good Jewish people go yeah. around?
3: They had
2: issues with the Samaritans, yeah. didn't yeah. they? Yeah.
3: What was the deal with the Samaritans? Because obviously it's very significant to the story yes. that it's a Samaritan woman, not just a woman in general. So yes. what's the deal with Samaritans? So the
4: deal with Samaritans back in the Old Testament when... The Assyrians came into the northern kingdom of Israel and took the people captive. Some Jewish people were left in that northern kingdom and intermingled in marriage with some of the Gentiles that had been imported there. So the Samaritans were a mixed race of people that were in the land that the Jewish people despised. Mm -hmm. They weren't purely Jewish. Mm -hmm. So they were considered to be heretical. So They had nothing to do with them. And they would often the practice was to go around Samaria, even though you had to take a longer route. You would take the coastal plain and go up the west side instead of going through Samaria. So when it says he had to pass through Samaria, Jesus had a divine appointment with one woman with one one. That is
1: intentional. Yeah. It's
4: just amazing. So we understand also that a one-on-one encounter with Jesus itself is remarkable. How many people, if you just think about the Gospels, did Jesus meet with? one-on-one. There's Mm -hmm. normally a crowd or he's got his disciples Mm -hmm. there. Disciples are gone to buy food. So this was just so unusual. And then for that one-on-one encounter to be with a woman. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) There was some risk there too, wasn't there?
4: There was risk there. It wasn't cultural. Everything was out of place, but it was because he had this appointment. You know, she doesn't know he's coming, She doesn't know anything about Jesus. It's not like Nicodemus who came to Jesus at night. We don't even know that that was one-on-one. His disciples may have been there. He comes to Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. He seeks him out. This woman isn't expecting Jesus. It's Jesus who's coming to her. Initiating toward
1: her. And, Mart, why was it risky?
2: It was risky not only ethnically, Uh but it was risky for a man to be with a woman alone like that. Uh His motives would be in question.
4: So he could have tainted his own reputation. And
2: the more we know about this woman, she was there probably because she'd had a very troubled, difficult life.
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think we can be so encouraged just in this opening section of the Woman at the Well story, encouraged that Jesus looks for us. If we look at all of our lives, we can think of times when he sought us out, Mm. when he was intentional, when he wanted that intimacy with us and he drew us we're thinking I'm coming to him I hope he receives me he's like I've already done that I've already come for you often we don't recognize it because we think it's just a person who's in our life and we may not see that because Jesus works through people Mm -hmm. so he won't be just be showing up in bodily form as he did at the well but he'll Mm -hmm. show up through somebody else in our life he'll show up through a circumstance Mm -hmm. and so oftentimes it's just our eyes need to be open Mm -hmm. to see where he is and where he's been intentional
2: and sometimes the problems that we think are just simply problems and troubles end up to be the occasion that he uses,
4: right? absolutely.
0: We're at the table with the Discover the Word group as our friend, author Kim Cash Tate, helps us to see what it means to cling to God because we can be sure that he desires that from us and, in fact, has moved toward us and wants nothing more than for us to choose and pursue a lifestyle of intimacy with him. And Kim and your regular study partners, Mark Hahn, Elisa Morgan, and Bill Crowder, plan on staying in this incident in John chapter 4 for the rest of the first half of our two part episode called Cling. And so we'll continue after a quick time out to tell you about Kim's book, Cling. Well, we're so glad that you could be with us at our table for this edition of the Discover the Word podcast. And as I've already mentioned, our special guest, author Kim Cash Tate, has written a book titled "Cling: Choosing a Lifestyle of Intimacy with God. Now, as a wife and mother and former lawyer, Kim brings a broad perspective to her study of the Bible, and her book has the incisive clarity that you'd expect from a lawyer, along with a warmth of someone who personally knows the love of God and others. It's a great book to read on your own, or it's perfect for a small group or book club that you're a part of.
4: It's my prayer that this study will inspire you to accept God's gracious invitation to cling to Him, to daily choose a lifestyle of intimacy with Him.
0: You can order a copy of Cling by Kim Cash Tate at discovertheword.org. Or go to org and type "cling" into the search box. And so now, Kim wants the group to think about how they were first introduced to Jesus and how important it is to go beyond a first impression and really get to know him better.
4: If you can think back to when you first heard about Jesus, what was the context?
3: Context was Sunday school. And I remember... Just hearing the Bible stories and as a child thinking it was like a superhero.
4: Mm, mm-hmm. you know, How only old a superhero.
3: Were you? Well my earliest memories would probably be four, five years old. Well, I like wish it was superhero for me. Yeah, you know, mine was in summer church
2: vacation school, mm-hmm. you know. I, that's when I remember seeing the flannel graph. Right. Uh-huh. Which never really grabbed my imagination. <laughs> it <was> like audio visual <laughs> without audio or
1: visual. <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's hard to get the superhero from the flannel
1: graph. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I think I remember not in church, although it was augmented later by church, but my mom would read us a story about Christmas during December every night. And lots of times it was Santa Claus or, mm-hmm. you know, presents or something, but occasionally
4: it'd be about Jesus. And that's where I would hear about the baby Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, mm-hmm. Kim? Well, for me, I did not grow up in church. So my first memories of hearing about Jesus came from grade school. I grew up in Maryland and I went to Catholic schools. My parents were not believers, but Catholic schools were where you got a good education. So they put me in Catholic schools, but God used it to give me a grounding in Bible stories. And so I would hear Bible stories about Jesus. And I remembered Easter in particular Mm. because of the stations of the cross. And I remember in third grade just being moved to tears by that. Mm. And so I just by the grace of God, never doubted. Jesus, him dying on the cross, didn't doubt the resurrection. I didn't know what it had to do with me, (laughs) but I never doubted that. And it's just so interesting how we have our different views of Jesus. Some people may hear of him in a negative light growing up. And when we think about clinging to God, that we can't cling to him unless we know Jesus. And so we have to understand who he is and how he takes all of our cultural experiences of how we hear about Jesus and what we think about Jesus. And he'll just break through all of that. Kim,
2: if somebody said, but why do you need Jesus to cling to him? I mean, what would you say?
4: I would say we talked earlier about the garden and we talked about how God created us for relationship. Mm -hmm. And so he had Adam and Eve and they were clinging to him and they were in that garden and they were hearing his voice and walking with him until sin broke that fellowship. And so Mm -hmm. they could no longer cling. They were physically put out of the garden, but spiritually, that relationship was broken. And so...
2: So when you say clean, you just mean to be close to, To right? be
4: close to, yes. They could no longer be in intimate relationship. Seek him
2: out. Seek find him, him, him out,
4: find him. They couldn't even hear his voice anymore mm. in that sense, as they had perfectly in the garden. Mm. And so Jesus, when he came, we were able once again to sort of have that garden experience to be back in relationship when we receive Him as our Savior.
2: So even in visual contact, I mean, in a sense, right? I mean, with Jesus as God among us, yes. with us. Mm-hmm. We yes. could even reestablish, reconnect yes. in a visual way. Yes,
4: yes. It's remarkable when you think about him walking the earth and we read the Bible and we see people touching him and talking to him. And, and we may not even think about that, but that was amazing <laughs> that here is God in flesh and I can actually touch him. I can actually talk to him. And that was, again, intentional to establish relationships. Yeah, we have
3: kind of inoculated ourselves against the wonder of that haven't we i think you're exactly right yeah we've grown stale Mm -hmm. that's just what a magnificent thing that Mm -hmm. is
4: and so we come back again to this beautiful picture of him at this well Mm -hmm. where so much is seen beautifully in how jesus makes himself known and breaks through all our thoughts about who he is because we all have our own ideas mm. before we know who he is. He just breaks through everything culturally, every distinction we have to say, I am God. Mm. And I want you to know me in relationship. This is in John 4 you're talking this about. This is in the John the 4. Well. Uh-huh. And so if we pick back up here, if we could read John 4 verses 5 through 12. Sure. Okay, I'll start it
1: off. So he, meaning Jesus, came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour.
3: There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman therefore said to him, How is it that you... Being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I'm a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking
2: to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water.
1: Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this
4: living water?
3: You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle?
4: So here we have Jesus who has come intentionally to meet this woman and he starts the dialogue. Who would think that God himself would start a dialogue with me? Mm -hmm. He he starts the dialogue. He wants the relationship. And so he's sitting there. He's weary. Mm -hmm. He's been walking from Judea several miles. Here he is by this well. It's the middle of the day, the sixth hour. And he says, give me a drink. So this I, that I just, sounds rude. Yeah, Serve me. Yeah.
2: But it must have been different.
4: Can you imagine her being startled? Even by her comment, how is it that yeah. you, you talking to me? Well and why was she startled? Why? It because she's a woman, because it's the middle of the day, because they're alone. What's going on here culturally? Well for one, as we talked about yesterday, he shouldn't even be talking to her. He shouldn't even be there. He's a Jewish man. She can tell he's a Jewish man, probably by his clothing. They had the tassels They, okay. from his garment. She could tell that he was Jewish. So she's first wondering, why are you even here? Okay. Jewish people don't come through Samaria. Okay. And then you're not only here, but you're talking to me and you're not only talking to me. You're asking me for a drink, which means I'll have to give you that drink from my utensils. Are you going to drink from? what I have Does that being make a him unclean? Person?
1: Is it that kind of an issue? I
4: don't know if it made him ceremonially unclean mm-hmm. but they regarded the Samaritans as unclean so mm. it just would not have been <laughs> one way or the other. Right? Yes yeah. Yeah. one yeah. way or another yeah. it, it doesn't happen.
3: <laughs> well and isn't there a possibility that given her background which I'm assuming we'll get yes. to later that maybe she wondered what he was really asking.
4: Yes as we get into the story we find out she's got her own issues that probably has her there by herself midday instead of coming in when it's cooler in Mm -hmm. the day. And so there's so much here that makes this a remarkable statement by Jesus. And he knows, he knows exactly. She's going to be startled.
2: (laughs) His motives are going to be in question. Yes. And
4: he knows that. I just love that. I don't care if you're a Samaritan. I don't care if you're a woman. I don't care about your background. I'm engaging you. And so we find out that He doesn't even want a drink. We never get back to his question. (laughs) He (laughs) never returns to his thirst or his weariness. He uses the question to draw her into this conversation. Mm -hmm. And so when she says, how is it that you're asking me for a drink? You're a Jewish man. Jews don't deal with Samaritans. He goes right to if you knew the gift of God (laughs) Mm -hmm. and who it is who says to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him. And I just love that he goes right to the gift.
2: What is the gift about?
4: Well, we know that he's talking about eternal life. And I think for her, he wanted her to just know this is so much bigger than what you're imagining right now. Mm -hmm. I asked you for a drink, but I know who you are. And imagine who offers this woman a gift. Who has ever offered this woman anything that would have been of value? He's saying a gift of god yeah, and she's thinking god what would god want to give me a gift for
3: and she's still trying to figure out the water thing because she says how are you going to give me yes. this water are you going to yes. get the well yourself
4: <gasps> yes or yeah. and yeah. so she's trying to figure it out but from jesus perspective and we're talking about relationship and clinging from jesus perspective he has opened up an entire universe to this woman that she doesn't know and he's trying to elevate her perspective, and he has to get to who he is. He has to first change her idea of who Jesus is, just as he does with each of us in our lives. However we come to him, however we think of him, he has to elevate our perspective. It's more than we think. It's more than we think. He's better than we think. He's better than we think. He offers more than we could ever imagine.
1: Makes me wonder how often he actually does come into our days and go, if you knew this was me bringing this provision or bringing this realization. And it is a gift. 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 And that's how he comes to us. It's not just the woman at the well. And I'm
2: here to give rather than to take.
4: Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: That really does change things, Kim, to think he comes saying, it is me. I'm here.
4: And do we recognize him?
3: Yeah. Yeah, back to where we started. It takes our perceptions of who he is and makes it so much better yes. than we could have ever imagined.
0: Yeah, a great conversation about how this Samaritan woman came to the well expecting to draw water, but she never expected the Son of God to draw her into relationship with Him. God created us for relationship, and He's seeking that relationship with you today. Well, next we're going to stay in this incident in John chapter four that we usually call the woman at the well. And we're going to see how Jesus draws her into conversation about his thirst for water in order to address her true spiritual thirst.
4: We recognize when we are thirsty, when we're dehydrated physically, we understand that. But do you recognize when you're thirsty for other things in life? Mm
3: I mean, like for if success the, or for... Uh, whether,
4: yes, whether it's success, whether it's for recognition. Mm-hmm.
2: There's a lot of times I'm bored. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I got to do something. Mm-hmm. Just you're kind of antsy. Mm-hmm. I'm antsy, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I think there's a sense in which I got to have some activity I have to...
3: Yeah. So there's a desire. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And I can feel this where I go to this kind of muscle that strives inside Mm -hmm. me. It's the striving. Mm -hmm. And I think it does go towards what you're saying, Bill, for success or recognition or to make a difference. And I will slip back into this muscle that makes me do all the work to pursue. Mm
4: -hmm. I've learned Mm -hmm. that that's not very satisfying Mm -hmm. in the long run. Do you think some thirsts are like that or success or recognition, whatever it may be, do you think there's a place where there's good in that? Or do you think we're always into negative space when we talk about thirsting?
3: I think we feel like we're in negative space, but we don't have to be because I think a lot of it comes down to what our motives are. Mm-hmm. I think our motives for things make the difference as to whether they're positive or negatives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just in terms of our desire for affirmation, mm-hmm. it's
2: really important to know that others are seeing the value of what you're doing, but it can so easily turn to this self-centered thing Ooh. where I want somebody yes. to, to yeah. feed into me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. like, I think almost... Every desire, now that you raise the, mm-hmm. I think almost every
3: desire has a dimension of danger to it.
4: Mm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a
1: dimension of health.
4: Yeah.
3: yeah both. Yeah. Yes, right. Our own circumstances at that moment of life and why we think we need that. That's so really. what are
4: you asking. <laughs> okay. So we're thinking about thirst, and then we could get into, of course, many of the dangers come in in the way we try to satisfy those thirsts, there you go. right? And so we want to look again at John 4 back at the woman at the well and see what jesus had to say about thirsting
2: give us some background what's the story how's it playing out
4: john 4 we have seen that jesus has gone to samaria intentionally it said he had to pass through samaria and what it really could have said is he had to go to (laughs) samaria (laughs) so he had this divine appointment great he knew he would see this woman at this Well, the Samaritan woman, and we have talked about how culturally this was...
2: Kind of unlikely, wasn't it?
4: Very unlikely that he would, first of all, go there, that he would speak to her, and he's told her that he has this gift. He asked her for water, but then he quickly turned that around and said, actually, I have a gift for you (laughs) of water. (laughs) And she's trying to figure out who is this man and what is he talking about? Yeah, And so that's where we are today in John 4. And we want to read verses 13 through 26 to see how this story unfolds. Great. Let me start us
1: off. Okay. John 4, verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again.
2: So we're talking about something very literal at this point, right? They're at a well.
1: They're at a well. Yes. And he's asked her for a drink. And then he talks about, actually, I can provide A different kind of water, as you said, Kim. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life.
3: The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go call your husband and come here. She said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus
2: said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth.
1: Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem.
3: Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. You worship that which you do not know. We worship that which we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the time is coming.
2: Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way.
1: God is spirit, and His worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming, and when He comes, He will explain everything to
4: us. And then Jesus declared... I who speak to you, am he. I love this. So we have been talking about intimacy with God. And it's interesting that this is such an intimate passage. It's Mm -hmm. just one woman and one man. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. Jesus is honing in on who he is and on what he can do for her. And he's saying, I can satisfy your thirst. And so what I love about this whole passage is she's talking about literal water. He's saying, I have this other water. But how does he let her know that, no, we're not talking about the same water? How does he get to that point? He brings up what?
3: Go get your husband. <laughs> yes. Sounds like it just came out of left yes. field.
4: Way. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
3: Because, you
2: know, what? in reality, it almost sounded seductive up to that point, didn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about mm-hmm. using language that can go a mm-hmm. couple of ways. Mm-hmm. You could easily go there.
4: Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then
2: all of a sudden, he says, go get your husband. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So anything that
3: she may have been wondering, what do you want? She may have surprised him at that point. Mm -hmm. I think it goes back to the whole theme of intimacy. He asks her for a drink, which is, you know, natural water and so forth, but immediately turns the conversation to spiritual longings Mm -hmm. and then turns to go back to what you said earlier, Kim, maybe the wrong ways that she's tried to satisfy Mm -hmm. her heart.
4: Mm -hmm. I believe so. I think he's trying to get to what's in her heart and he's trying to get to who he is and so she had her own perception of who he is this jewish man you're not even greater than abraham what are you talking about Mm -hmm. and he's saying actually i am (laughs) and so he has to show her who he is that he is greater he's now taking it up to deity level i know you Mm -hmm. and i know all about you and so he has to draw that out by saying call your husband because he knows that she'll say i have no husband And he's like, you're correct. And then he just breaks it down. (laughs) That's how he takes the entire discussion to another level, by pointing out where she's been, who she's been with, and that he knows this. And so that immediately takes her to, you're a prophet.
3: He goes in her eyes to a very different kind of intimacy.
4: By Mm -hmm. knowing her
3: inner Oh, no, he knows me. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most intimate of all is that kind of deep knowledge. Yes.
1: And he does reveal what I think you're saying, Kim, is her thirst, her real thirst. Yes. She came to the well looking for water, but at the well, she discovers a different kind of Mm -hmm. thirst. Do you think
2: she's getting it at that point?
1: Beginning to, because suddenly he's moved from the physical thirst to something else that she's been thirsting Mm -hmm. for, which is belonging, maybe, to top
4: it off And he's saying he can satisfy it. Uh So that's intriguing you know my past and you're saying you can satisfy my thirst with some water that I'm not quite sure what you're talking Mm -hmm. about. But she's slowly understanding this has a whole dimension (laughs) there.
3: But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Do you think maybe she's not really quite comfortable yet with this whole thing? Because it's almost like He shifted gears in the conversation to talk about the private things of her heart. And so she shifts gears to talk about how religion gets done. Yeah. Well, then boom,
1: verse 25, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain. She's like given this on ramp and he goes, it's me.
4: And you can just sense the Holy Spirit working on her heart this Mm -hmm. entire conversation because we know that's how we're drawn to Jesus and that's how her eyes were open. We slowly begin mm-hmm. to understand, and so this is happening in real time, with Jesus right there with her. And so, with every comment he makes, it slowly
2: yeah, you know <laughs> it's slowly it strikes me, Kim, that we know the story too well. The way we're it's unfolding right now, it's like imagine in real time what she mm-hmm. must have been thinking. But he starts where we are, doesn't he? Yes. And somehow gets from where we are. To where he wants us to, to be. Us yes, forward.
4: he went from being a Jewish man who's not greater than Jacob, to prophet, to I know Messiah. It's coming. It's like suddenly mm-hmm. you could not be. I know I'm not standing here. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. I know I could yeah. not be standing yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. With the Messiah yeah. that I've heard, of. I know that can't be. So, to me, this verse is one of the most remarkable that he would say, I who speak to you am he. How often did Jesus say who he is? Yeah,
2: and the New Living Translation actually goes with the implication here. It says, then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. That's That's the clear implication.
4: And the he is italicized in mind, so it's really, he was saying, I who speak to you am, going back to Uh, I am. uh, I am,
2: Messiah, her I am,
4: yes. He has opened her eyes fully and actually told her Mm -hmm. who he is she now knows. It's just a remarkable story of what Jesus does in our lives that once we know who he is and we can drink of that living water and he can satisfy those thirsts.
3: It's very personal.
4: Very personal. Very intimate.
0: Yeah, this is going to completely change her life. She won't come out of this personal encounter with Jesus the same. Well, in the last conversation, in part one of our study with Kim Cash Tate called "Cling," they're going to talk about the parts of our lives that we tend to want to hide, the parts that we're maybe ashamed of, the chapters in our story that we definitely wouldn't post on Facebook or make an Instagram reel about. We all have them, those shame stories. This woman Jesus was talking to at the well had some, but... Kim has a new name for these stories, and so let's discover what she thinks we should call them.
4: So I have kind of a personal question. Uh-oh. <laughs> is there anything in your past that at some point maybe you were hesitant to share with others? Lots. Loads. <laughs> Everything. Okay. What if I'm okay. still hesitant to talk about it? <laughs> and, and, and that is certainly may be the case. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's,
1: you know, I have struggled with shame forever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whether it was my own mistakes and the ditches I've fallen into or those in my family and choices my kids have made or like, oh, this can't possibly be used of God.
4: And Why do you think we think that?
2: If we teach one another to think that. Yeah. How do we you know, do that? We have heard enough criticism in our lives. Mm-hmm. We've heard enough gossip. We've heard mm-hmm. enough stories told with apparently good motives that have really been damaging Mm -hmm.
3: to the lives of others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're all kind of closet legalists Mm. who still think that we're supposed to live up to the law Mm -hmm. and everybody around us is expecting us to live up to the law, even though we can't, and they can't mm-hmm. either.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like we drive into our garages and punch down the garage door and go inside, and we look out the window, and we think everybody else behind their garage doors or behind their front doors or you know, their apartment doors, they're having Bible studies. Right. You know? <laughs> right. We're the only ones in our house watching The Bachelor. Yeah. You know? yeah. And we just think yeah. we're terrible. Yeah. And the reality is we are terrible, but the reality is we're not. We are mm-hmm. all mm-hmm.
4: similarly wounded. And somehow, as you said, somehow we think as parents, we're supposed to have perfect kids, and we've fallen short if they're not perfect, and Mm -hmm. we've heard gossip about people's kids, and we don't want our kids to be the subject of gossip, so we Mm -hmm. better not tell anyone. Right. And in all of that, I think we lose sight of the grace of God. We knew the grace was there when we were saved, we knew that's how we were saved, and then along the way, we somehow forget that there's grace, and it becomes about us, and we don't want people to know all the grace that was needed <laughs> in yeah, our lives, as, and that continues to be As if needed. we didn't need grace. Yes. And, and that just yes. diminishes it. It's yes. wacky.
2: But at the same time, I'm guessing, Kim, that you're not suggesting that we just tell all without regard for its impact on the people
4: we love. No, no, especially right? when it comes to our kids. We definitely don't want well, to just expose them. Or our dear friends or family members or, yeah. In particular, for our own individual stories of how God has saved us, how He has freed us healed us all those things one thing about intimacy with God that I love is that it starts from a very intimate place just you and God and you're building that intimacy but then it extends Mm. to a testimony that you Mm. can tell Mm -hmm. to others it's our story yes for our story and so that's what we see with this Samaritan woman Mm. how she came to this well midday by herself and she has this encounter that is life-changing where she's actually met the messiah of all people <laughs> <laughs>
3: that probably wasn't what she thought was going to happen that, that was day, not was. what oh. she
4: thought would happen when she <laughs> walked to this well and she just thought she would get some physical water and she now has encountered living water through the messiah himself and she knows this was a life-changing moment and so we're going to see how she reacts to that. Good. Where are we going to go? We are going to go to John two places. The first is John four twenty-eight through 30, and then 39 through 42. The rest of the story. Mm-hmm. The rest of the story. So John four twenty-eight through 30. Let's start there first.
3: So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I've done. This isn't the Christ, is it?
1: They came out of the town and made their way toward him.
2: Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe.
1: They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the
4: world. Don't you love who she first approached when she went into the city? (laughs) (laughs) I just love that It says she went and said to the men. (laughs) 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 And we we know that's not unintentional. (laughs) She went
2: to the men and said, I told them everything I ever did. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh.
4: Yeah, it's so interesting that that's who she went to. Maybe the women didn't like her in the town, and she went to the men first. But I just think that's not a casual inclusion that... She runs yeah. to town. And, and but that is people. it.
1: And, Mark, what you're saying, too, is it's implying that now Jesus knows what they did, too. Because right. she'd yeah. been with so many of them.
2: We know she had a <laughs> reputation.
4: Yes. You know. But yes. it's interesting,
2: too, when you talked about our story, and, Elisa, you talked about our shame. But this woman had it dragged out of her, right? Yes. Initially.
4: Yes. Unlike, you know, for some of us, it takes years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to keep this to myself. <laughs> well, and the reality
1: is, and I think I forget this, is they already knew? These yeah. people had lived with mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Some of That's them true. had been with her That's as true. a part of the creation of mm-hmm. shame, and we make up stories in our head that we're the only people to know these things in my life. And the reality mm-hmm. is, people watch us; mm-hmm. they see us. That's and very true. We very good point. Unnecessarily yeah. hide things mm-hmm. that have already been revealed, mm-hmm. yeah. and when mm-hmm. we share them, like you're saying, she's different. So now people understand the source
4: of her difference yes. when she talks. Yes, and notice how she said, "This is not the Christ, is it?" And she has it now. Yeah. <laughs> it's still sort of mind blowing to her, like. I know yeah. you told me that, but is it really? <laughs> yeah, this is—we yeah. do that. We're yeah. so blown away. Like, could this really? Did God really do this? Did He really reveal Himself in this way? You know,
3: as you were reading that last part, you see the progression continue. You were telling us the other day it starts off as a man, then He becomes a prophet, then He becomes the Messiah, then He becomes the Savior of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it keeps expanding. Doesn't yes, it?
4: yes, and I love that. First, Jesus comes to Samaria with his divine appointment for this one woman but really the divine appointment we now know is for that entire city. Yeah. Which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in
1: verse 30 they came out of the town and make their way toward him. And then in verse 42 where you left us the whole town. They the whole believe town. not just because of what you said now, they've heard for themselves and they know this man really is the savior of the world. Yes. That's amazing invitation from her being open.
4: Yes her being open, her being willing to be used. If you were to think, okay, Jesus wants to reach a Samaritan town, who will he use? You would never think it would be this woman. And what a message for us today that we think we want to hide our past, Mm -hmm. we want to keep it undercover, Mm -hmm. but that's the very thing that might be Mm -hmm. used to save a whole group of people, Mm -hmm. your family, your co-workers, wherever God has placed you. It might be that thing that you're hiding. Mm That you don't want people to know or talk about. It's that thing because people see how much mm-hmm. you've changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And the question is why, right? You why see you, changed. You, Yeah, you see somebody change and you say, what happened? And her story leads right back to him. Yeah, yes, the living
3: water yes. that yeah. he had come to give.
1: Yes. And again, it's not like her going, here, let me tell you. She tells them and they come out and make their way toward Jesus. Yes. We get a little pressured of, well, oh, I've got to tell everybody just right so that yes. they discover Jesus yes. and they accept him as their It's all up to me. And I guess what she's doing is just saying, this is the guy.
4: And then she mm-hmm. encourages people to go to him and they do. Mm-hmm. That's such a good point that we put so much pressure on ourselves and we have courses and how to present Jesus. Mm-hmm. But just as Jesus had his own way of reaching her, he knew She's at the well. She's getting water. Mm. Let me talk to her about water and yeah. then draw her. He's going to have a different way of reaching <laughs> yeah. Yeah. everybody who comes to him.
2: You know, and what's interesting is, if she had been the best woman in town with the best reputation for prayer and faith, they
3: probably wouldn't have listened <laughs> yes. to her, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. They wouldn't have given her a second yes. look. That's Absolutely. A great point. And I That's think a great point. you know, if you look again at uh, verse forty. If somebody came into our community and started telling people everything they'd ever done, we might ask them to leave. Yeah. But they asked <laughs> Jesus to stay. Uh-huh. Yes. And he stays with them a couple of days. Yes. There's a wonderful, I think, openness to this intimacy that mm-hmm. maybe in our culture we would try to protect ourselves from. Mm-hmm.
4: And I love that you mentioned intimacy because wasn't that itself intimate? That. Mm-hmm wherever he stayed that night he probably was surrounded by people asking Mm. him a million questions and getting to know who he is that's just an intimate Mm. setting with people who were despised Mm -hmm. that jesus would come and stay with them for two days yeah that's commitment Mm -hmm.
3: but that's why he had to go to samaria
4: yes we get the fuller picture of why he had to go there for her and then for this entire city so if i'm hearing you right kim this
1: is a woman who learned the concept of cling yes i mean big
4: time yes she did (laughs) yeah she learned cling she learned intimacy and she learned that in that intimacy i need to go tell others i need to allow god to use me to tell others about him it becomes a glory story not just my past shame but now it's a glory story
0: powerful and encouraging reminder as we end part one of this discover the word podcast with author Kim Cash Tate here on Discover the Word. The conversation she's having with your regular study partners, Mark Dehan and Elisa Morgan and Bill Crowder, are called cling. And I think I speak for everyone when I say that uh, we're looking forward to part two. Because I mean, this doesn't just happen. We have to make a choice about it. And we have to choose to have this intimate relationship with God. And so what's involved in making and following through on that choice is what part two in this series with Kim Cash Tate is going to focus on. Don't miss part two of Kling in our next episode on the Discover the Word podcast. Discover the Word is a small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in which we invite you to walk with us through topics and passages that inform the way we read the scriptures, challenge us as we live our lives as followers of Christ, and always point us to discover Jesus in the pages of the Bible. And thanks for remembering that your voluntary gifts defray the costs of producing Discover the Word and distributing it on radio and via all the podcast delivery systems. We're a nonprofit ministry, and our goal is to make the life-changing story and wisdom of the Bible understandable and accessible to people all around the world. And so if you'd like to become part of that mission, you can support us with a one-time gift or by signing up to become a monthly Discover the Word partner. Simply go online to discovertheword.org, click on the donate button, and you can give right there. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Brian Hedinga. Discover the Word is provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries.